from the news capital of the world. You've landed on the Daily Objective from the Ayn Rand Center UK. I'm Jonathan Honig from CapitalistPig.com. Delighted to have you with us and delighted to have our global network of students of objectivism. I see them filing into the Super Chat already. We've got uh, YouTube members, Robert Nasser's already there, kind of heating things up. We wanna see you there. We wanna see you participating and you wanna, we wanna see you supporting. You know, the Ayn Rand Center UK, we're bringing you literally the largest network of original programming uh, inspired by objectivism in history, a daily network of show after show featuring some of the biggest names, some of the biggest stars, if you will. I put that in big air quotes. In objectivism, knowledgeable people, people like Harry Binswanger, who knew Miss Rand, worked with her, James Valiant, Raga Ali, Mark Pellegrino, and so many more. So thanks for being part of what we're doing. Uh, we've got a very interesting program for you today, actually. We're going to take a step back from the politics and, and some of the day-to-day -day, uh, headlines in terms of uh, uh, political wrangling, economic wrangling, and talk a little bit about what's happening, well, let's just say in outer space for a moment. We're going to take you many, many uh, thousands of miles away from our atmosphere and contemplate this idea of, to put it in Gene Roddenberry's language, boldly, should we boldly go where no man has gone before? Now you're looking a, at a picture of a young William Shatner playing the part that made him famous, James Tiberius Kirk, of course, and the original Star Trek show. And I know there've been many iterations of Star Trek over the years, but William Shatner, you know, in my mind, epitomized, he created that, that, uh, that trope, if you will. And he was in the, the news just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and in, in this same space-related milieu, because in fact, William Shatner, you, Shatner, you might've read, went to space, actually went to space. William Shatner uh, went aboard Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin rocket. William Shatner himself, this is a couple of months ago now, actually went to space. He was quoted by saying, you know, he had heard about space for a long time now. I'm taking the opportunity to see it for myself. What a miracle, the actor said. And um, thankfully he went and he, he went and he came down healthy, you know, healthily. There's Jeff Bezos uh, bringing Mr. Shackner off the launch, out of the launch capsule, the, the crash lab landing capsule there in the middle of the desert. So um, an amazing experience, obviously, for anyone who had it. And William Shackner actually, wrote about this experience. And I thought that's what we get into today. He, he wrote about it. The excerpts were published in Variety this week. Robert says, this super chat brought to you by Elon Musk. He just sold a bit of Twitter at 52. How high will it go? Outer space, TBA. Well, I hope the stock goes to outer space for you, Robert. But the question is, would you want to go to outer space? Because if you listen to what William Shatner said in terms of his experience of going to outer space, he said, it quote, filled him with overwhelming sadness. I'm gonna kind of unpack this a little bit of why in fact, William Shatner and I believe many people would find this experience so unbelievably sad and frightening. Quoting now from Shatner, I turned my head to stare into space. I love the mystery of the universe. I love all the questions that have come to us over thousands of years of exploration and hypothesis, stars exploding years ago, their light traveling to us years later, black holes, absorbing energy, satellites showing us entire galaxies and areas thought to be devoid of matter entirely. All of that thrilled me for years. But when I looked into the opposite direction, into space, there was no mystery. There was no majestic awe to, beho to behold. All I saw was death. Some pretty 
choice words. All he saw was death. People were shocked by this. I was a little shocked by this. I mean, all of a sudden, all that space romance, you know, that final frontier, the, you know, I, that was out the window. The idea that we're going to explore new worlds, boldly go and out the window, at, at least from my perception, out the window, all of this kind of fascination that it's just this glorious exploration and, and I'm projecting here a little bit that man is so welcome, if you will, into space, out the window. There is the photo. Now this isn't exactly necessarily at the moment Shackner saw death, but this does not look like a happy gentleman uh, loving his time above earth and, and reveling it. All I saw was death. Now, why would that be his reaction? And what, what exactly does that mean relative to us in, in terms of an objectivist perspective? Again, quoting from Shagner, I saw, saw a cold, black, dark emptiness. It was unlike any blackness you can see or feel on earth. It was deep, enveloping, all-encompassing. So now I'm not a science guy, but you understand why space is so black. I mean, it is a, as they are it's described as a near perfect vacuum, few particles. There is nothing living in space. Bacteria itself doesn't live in space. It lives for a very short period of time. So there's not even, as quoting now from live science, there's nothing in space between stars and planets, planets to scatter our eyes. It is a place of nothingness. There is nothing in space. So how can it not feel like death? That's the natural, my natural thing. There's nothing living. There's nothing there. It is a vacuum. Quoting now from, from uh, return, uh, continuing from Shatner. I turned back towards the light of home. I could see the curvature of earth, the beige of the desert, the white clouds and blue of the sky. It was life, nurturing, sustaining life. Mother Earth, Gaia, and I was leaving her. Now, he goes a little bit into the ecological here, the environmentalist, but I'm gonna focus on, I believe, what he said and my interpretation of what he said, taking out kind of the, I think, the political expectations of, of people in, in, in public, pu public places. When he talks about life here, he's not talking about Gaia. He's not talking about the life of the birds or the, waterfalls. He's talking about human life. That's what makes life on earth, earth. That's what makes earth, earth. It's human life. And we, I believe as objectivists, value that. You know, we are individualists, but individualism is not doing everything by yourself, going out and doing Thoreau or going onto a spaceship and just living in isolation. You get tremendous values, knowledge, joy, pleasure, from trading with other humans, being with other humans, learning from other humans, ex you know, experiencing life with other humans. And that's just it. The value on earth isn't the physical planet. It's not Gaia as William Shatner would have you believe. It's man, we are what is on earth that makes it so extraordinary and special. And I'm not putting words into, to, uh, I'm not, just answer the poll here. We've got a, a great poll going in the, the super chat. It's not me putting words into Chatner's mouth. Listen to what Chatner himself said. He's, he's saying now, 
I thought that going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of the connection I'd been looking for between all living things, that being up there would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe. And I think that's that kind of fantasy, that romantic fantasy of space that perhaps Star Trek and science fiction naturally projected this beautiful harmony that this is gonna be a part of. And, and Shatter even mentions that in the film Contact when Jodie Foster Foster's character goes into space and looks out to the heavens. She lets out an astonished whisper, they should have sent a poet. I had a different experience because, here's the money, money line, I discovered that the beauty isn't out there, it's down here with all of us. Ding, 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 ding. The beauty is not in an empty vacuum of space. The beauty is in man. The beauty is in our ability to transform that empty space into something extraordinary. And, and quoting now from Shatner, leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. Of course, what's so beautiful about an empty vacuum with no human reason, with no human mind? Um, it sounds pretty horrible. And in fact, when surveyed, a majority of Americans say they don't wanna to travel to the moon. Now, there's a lot of reasons given in fact, 30, 30, only 37% say that they would travel to the moon. As someone who's actually been skydiving, I think that number is actually a lot lower. I went skydiving in college with a group of 10 people. By the time we actually got to skydive, I was the only one who went. So 37% say now that they would visit. I think it's lot, uh, short, uh, lower. And it's not surprising why. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, it's fear of heights. They're claustrophobic. They're just too lazy. I think a lot of that is probably true. But... I don't think that's the real reason. I think the real reason a lot of Americans don't want to travel to the moon is because we're talking about going to a place, going to a world without human connection, trading, reason. I mean, who, the, who wants that? Who wants that? Who wants to live in a world without human reason? It sounds a little bit to me like solitary confinement. This is... Uh, Obviously, the practice in, in prison systems where the really bad people, the really dangerous people, the people who are breaking all the rules, they just lock them up. They isolate them from all other humans for, <laughs> Robert says, Earth is where the action is. And it's right. It's where, the, it's where humans are. It's where something's happening. I mean, solitary confinement is what is considered torturous in prison. Or it's, this Charles Dickens describes solitary confinement as a slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body. So it's like that isolation, no wonder people are hesitant to go to uh, 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 space and Shatner describes it as death. I mean, it is, there's nothing living out there. Shatner says, it was among the strongest feelings of grief I had ever encountered the contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. And how couldn't it? I mean, just project yourself. You're leaving this earth full of, yes, rivers and oceans and mountains, but human beings creating things, producing things, producing things, loving, laughing, getting together, fighting, engaging. I mean, I mean, it's full of, as Robert says, it's full of the action. Space is just, an, as, as Shatner says, it's vicious coldness. It's just as cold. It's cold here in Chicago. Space is vicious coldness. 
And the warm nurturing of earth is the nurturing of human reason. Every day, Shagner says, we are confronted. And this is where he goes, I think, a little bit into, you know, in our culture, you can't help but kind of toe the environmentalist party line. And he says, every day we are confronted with the knowledge of further destruction of earth at our hands, the extinction of animal species, of flora, of fauna, things that took 5 billion years to evolve. And suddenly we will never see them again because the inference of mankind. Now that's, it's just, it's just funny because life on earth has gotten better for man because of mankind. And, you know, he says, my trip to space was supposed to be a celebration. Instead, it felt like a funeral. It felt like a funeral. And, and no wonder it felt like a funeral because there's nothing living in space. <laughs> I mean, how can you feel um, energized really as a, as, a, as a human being in a space where there is nothing alive, truly nothing alive. In fact, uh, there's nothing living in space yet. So I'm all with Elon. Let's occupy Mars, absolutely, with living, breathing, rational humans. And I'm almost surprised, maybe some of our super chatters know, Ali says, do y'all not want space exploration for mankind and expand colonies too? There's more out there than just our galaxy, won't be alone. Well, I'm gonna say, Ali, I'm all for exploration, but hit me up, you know, once you have a hot tub and the Wi-Fi working. No, I mean, I'm all for the exploration. So as I'm saying, yes, let's occupy Mars. Let's occupy with living rational beings. And in fact, have we even heard from the green movement yet? I don't know, maybe they're already out there. Can you imagine the green movement saying, you know, oh no, we can't disturb space. It's just perfect without man. You know, space is, I mean, can you imagine environmentalists stopping Columbus from, from sailing to the West and say, oh no, you know, we don't want to interfere with this perfect, you know, space is there to be colonized. It's to be occupied. Um, and that's to, to Miss Rand's point. If anyone 30 years of age, give a silent thank you to the nearest grimiest, sootiest smokestacks you can find. So Ali, to your point, one day Mars will be occupied and colonized. There will be all that industry, all that man's invention and, and, and industry that, that makes it possible. Um, you know, but Shatner's experience, I think, is very sobering and I think should remind us of the value of, well, again, I'll, I'll let Shatner speak for himself. It reinforced tenfold my own view of the power of our beautiful, mysterious, collective, collective human entanglement. He says there's the human entanglement. And eventually it returned a feeling of hope to my heart. In this insignificance we share, we have one gift that other species perhaps do not. We are aware not only of our insignificance, but of the grandeur around us that makes us insignificant. Now, I'm again gonna put a few words into Shatner's mouth. When he says we are aware, what he means is that we have reason. We are not like moon dust that just is scattered around there or a river that's just gonna keep rowing for a, rowing, going for a million years. We have reason, quoting from Ms. Rand, reason integrates man's perceptions by means of forcing abstractions or conceptions thus raising man's knowledge from the perceptual level which he shares with animal to the conceptual level which he alone can reach. We have reason. We can take the barren desert and turn it into something. We can take space and turn it into something. And we will, thanks to people like Bezos. Um, now, Shatner is not a real uh, 
a space explorer. He's a actor and, and a legendary one at that. Um, but he said in closing here, he says, that alone allows us perhaps a chance to rededicate ourselves to our planet, to each other, to life and love all around us if we seize the chance. So he again is kind of couching it in this environmentalist thing that it's Gaia, Mother Earth, that's so impossible. But what's he talking about? I mean, if he is committed to life, human life, that he should be giving up to the type of life-promoting technology that only mankind can create, the type of life-promoting technology that can send a 90-year-old man to space, send him to space like on a fun trip and have him back down 15 or 20 minutes. I mean, that life is human life. It's created by humans and it's only possible by humans. And that's why, yes, to your question, Ali, we should boldly go, boldly, boldly go. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all of these incredible pioneers, boldly go. I just wanna come, as I said, <laughs> once the hot tub, once the Wi-Fi is set up, I value humans too much. I'm an individualist who loves human beings, mankind, doing interesting things, producing interesting things, appreciating interesting things like you're doing with us every day here at the Ayn Rand Center UK. So thank you for supporting what we do, especially our members. You know, you're the ones who make us possible. We are supported 100% by your super chat donations, your membership at aynrandcenteruk.co. And we need you to make it happen. It comes in five pounds at a time, 10 pounds at a time, eight pounds at a time. It comes in becoming a, a, a YouTube member like Enric. Enric says, Shagner doesn't intellectualize the human opportunity in space. He follows the culture. I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you on that, Enric. And, and his identification, though, of the, the silence and empty, emptiness of a world without humans and how lucky we are to live in a civilization with reason, that's what it emphasized to me. Um, Ali says, I'm gonna take you all to space. Ali, I'm soon gonna take you to dinner than to space, but you can start by supporting us. I know you're doing it. You're a member on the on YouTube channel, Robert is, Enric is, and, and, and so many of you are. So thank you for being part of what we're doing. You guys make it happen. You make these types of intellectual discussions, inquiries, things that are inspired by Miss Rand's works, hopefully encouraging you to meet, read Miss Rand's works. Um, that's, that's what we're doing here every day. And in fact, coming up right after this, oh my God, in 22 minutes, 12 minutes, fuck 22 minutes, 12 minutes at 6.30 PM UK time, we have a brand new premiere. America has an identity crisis. This is a new video with your own Brooke. It's premiering on our channel, the briefly objective. So that's it. We're going to kind of bring it to you in so many different formats here at the Ayn Rand Center UK. We've got a whole new channel, The Briefly Objective. Subscribe to it, share it, because we've got a brand new premiere coming up in just 11 minutes now. We're only able to do it because of you, your support. So hit us up on the Super Chat in just the remaining few minutes here and subscribe. Like this video, share this video. If you're interested in objectivism, you've landed on the right channel because we're all students of objectivism and we're hooking you up with the biggest names in objectivism. Harry Binswanger on the list, so many others, Shoshana Milgram, I believe the world's best uh, living scholar on, uh, uh, on Rand, Miss Rand and Miss Rand's life, save Dr. Peacock, who's also appeared on our channel. So we bring you so much day after day after day, and we're only able to do it because of your support. 
five pounds at a time, eight pounds at a time. And given inflation, it really should be more like 12 pounds at a time. So thank you for making us part of your intellectual and media mix and keep it tuned here. 10 minutes more, we're gonna be live with uh, a brand new uh, premiere from Dr. Jerome Brook. America has an identity crisis. So we're learning and uh, together day after day after day. Jonathan Honig from Capitalist Pig. We'll be back here again tomorrow with a daily objective. And once again, thanks for being a part of what we're doing and wish you best premises. Be well.